are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're listening to today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. It'll only take a quick couple of seconds, and it'll help me out tremendously. And it's all for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. All right, good afternoon, everyone. And as always, thank you for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And on the show today, folks, I'll be going over the Blackhawks' 2 to nothing loss to the Colorado Avalanche last night, now dropping their losing streak down to four games, even though they did put up a pretty respectable fight against the top team in the entire NHL. I'll also discuss some other key takeaways that I had from the game, as well as Nick Olchek jumping in for his dad, Eddie O, in the broadcast booth last night. And then to wrap things up today will be part four of my Blackhawks midseason prospect rankings. All that and plenty more right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. First things first today, though, folks, let's get into that battle last night between the Chicago Blackhawks and Colorado Avalanche. Um, And as I said on the show yesterday, we all knew it was going to be a tough task for the Hawks to go into Ball Arena. I called it actually the Pepsi Center on the show yesterday. I completely forgot they changed it to that stupid name. Pepsi Center will forever be what it is in my mind. Anyways, I knew it was going to be a tough task for the Hawks to go in there, a place where the Avs had won a ridiculous 15 consecutive games. It was going to be nearly impossible uh, to come out with a victory. At least it seemed nearly impossible. Of course, hockey, you never know what can happen. The Blackhawks did upset the top-seeded Vegas Golden Knights a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, you know, it, it was just going to, it was going to be tough. No doubt about it. The Avs had just one regulation loss in their last 20 games coming into last night. I mean, this Colorado team is absolutely rolling right now and actually reminds me a lot of the glory days of the Chicago Blackhawks. And it was kind of funny hearing uh, Patrick Kane asked about this in his post-game interview. And he said, yeah, it looks like a pretty fun way to play the game, right? And just kind of laughed it off. I'm sure thinking about uh, the early part of his career where Basically, every season was the Hawks going to the Western Conference Finals or at least putting together a really competitive team regardless. Um, but yeah, for for how this game matched up, uh, you got to be happy with the effort that the Blackhawks put together. You know, they were definitely outskilled on the ice. There's no no way around it. And of course, they did go on to lose the game two to nothing. Um, but yeah, I was really happy overall with the fight that they put together. Uh, it did get a little bit one-sided there towards the end, particularly in the third period. Um, I believe at one point the Hawks were getting outshot 22 to 11, um, since the midway point of the game or something along those lines. But, uh, the, the first 20 or 30 minutes was really good. It was arguably, um, some of the best hockey this team has 
played this year, honestly. Um, and obviously, you know, I they didn't capitalize on their opportunities, but um, comparing this especially to the first two meetings against the Avs, in both those games, I believe in the season opener, the Hawks were down three to nothing at the end of the first. Could have could have been four. I don't know. A lot has happened since then. Uh, but the first time or the second time they played Colorado, they went down two to nothing in the first period as well. So to not only you know not fall behind, but to to be right there with that Avalanche team through the first half of the contest, um, you know that was impressive all all in its own, in my opinion. I don't think. Many people expected the Blackhawks to be in this game from start to finish, but there they were. Uh, and a ton of the credit, you know, obviously has to go to Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, the dude was bonkers again last night to even keep the Blackhawks alive. There were probably six or seven A-plus stops. Um, without Fleury, they obviously wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been as close as it was. Um, but for the Blackhawks, you know, the cycles they were putting together in the offensive zone. I hadn't, you know, against Colorado, a really good team. That's not what I would expected when they had been struggling against, you know, the Seattle Kraken. Um, but, and, and in transition too, I wanted to say, when they did get the puck out of the defensive zone, they were still guilty of too many turnovers, I thought, last night. Um, but when they did get it out of the zone cleanly, I thought they did a good job in transition to go and create offense the other way and dump the puck in and go get an opportunity to win a board battle. They were being smart in transition, gave themselves some good opportunities. So um, overall, I was pretty impressed with the fight from the Blackhawks. But at the same time, by not scoring any goals, they basically left themselves out to dry there because they were kind of forced to go and play a perfect defensive game. And against a team like the Avalanche, with all the talent that they have, yeah, uh, that's not going to work out very often. So, uh, And honestly, the Blackhawks really, you know, didn't make too many critical critical mistakes on defense. That's why this was so close. Um, there weren't very many mistakes in there. I thought they played a, a fairly clean game, um, but... The Avalanche did take advantage of those few key mistakes that the Blackhawks made. Um, after a scoreless opening 20 minutes, again, definitely the first period was the Hawks' best of the night. I believe they were up 9-5 to five in shots on goal. Um, and the pace that they had and the intensity right from the opening puck drop. It was like, where is this every night? Like, the Blackhawks regularly get outscored in the first period. I talked about this on the show the other day. Uh, I believe before Saturday's game against Minnesota... Let me get some water here real quick. Before Saturday's game against Minnesota, the Blackhawks had been outscored 45-22 to in the first period. So to have this, <clears throat> this kind of effort against a really good Avalanche team, uh, very impressive. But again, the, the few mistakes the Blackhawks did make, a couple key ones, um, came back to bite them in the butt. The penalty kill continues to be an issue. Uh, Seth Jones took a penalty, I believe it was, um, right around with like seven or eight minutes left and Colorado then goes and answers with a goal from, uh, Nazem Kadri to jump ahead and one nothing. The puck just barely sneaked over the goal line. Uh, but the penalty kill, they had a really good first kill and they actually created more scoring chances than the Avs did while shorthanded. Uh, but the second one did not go the same way. Uh, Kadri gets a shot off and it just sneaks through flurry. It was unfortunate, but it's now three times in the last 120 minutes that the Blackhawks have been beaten while the opposition has a man advantage. So I, it's obviously top to stop that Avs star-studded man advantage. 
Um, but with the game, you know, pretty even at five on five there, game nothing, nothing. It really felt like whoever, well, well I'm not going to say if the Blackhawks scored first, they were going to win, but if they wanted to win, it really felt like they had to score first is the better way to put it. So um, for the penalty kill to not be able to get that one off and uh, to fall behind one to nothing there, that, that was definitely a tough pill to swallow. And then the game remained one to nothing heading into the second intermission again, largely thanks to Marc-Andre Fleury standing on his head in the second period later, later on there, it was slap shot regatta um but the third period a- after that the hawks they they just never bounced back or ever were able to look the same things kind of uh started to fall apart a little bit they only had four shots on goal for the majority of the way until mark andre fleury was pulled um but colorado had complete control late which is not what you want to see when your team is trailing and then uh landis cog went backhand shelf to put the abs ahead to nothing. That was basically all she wrote with the way the Hawks offense was uh, not having success finding Pavel Francouz. They, they do always, Charlie Romeliotis tweeted this the other day, or literally last night, tweeted, Blackhawks, is it just me, or do the Blackhawks always have trouble with right-handed goalies? And that does honestly seem to be the case. They just could not get one through Francouz last night. Um, so by going down two to nothing, I think most of us really thought that that was going to be it for the Blackhawks. Um, it, it was tough, but one thing I also wanted to talk about, even though the Blackhawks were cycling the puck well and had a lot of control time in the offensive zone, the problem that's killed them all season long is they can't rattle off chances from the high danger areas, even with the man advantage, the only one they can get is to bring it at the left circle a quarter of the time. Um, they just cannot, for whatever reasons, get any separation or find any open ice in the slot. And even when they do in those rare moments, they just, you know, either shoot it right into the goalie's breadbasket or, or miss the net entirely, it seems. Philip Kurashev had a yawning cage last night. Chance to put the Blackhawks down only a goal with... It was in the first two minutes of the third period. Would have been a big-time goal for the Hawks going going forward the rest of the way. Missed out on an absolutely wide-open net, and it's just like, dude, those are the ones we need. It's it's beyond frustrating to watch the offense at this point because it's the same thing over and over and over again. You know, it's, yeah, they're good at cycling. They'll win the board battles, but it's like they get the puck back to the point. Not much going on in front of the net. The shot goes wide. Another battle. Not a lot of chances from high danger areas. It's really sad. Um, so two to nothing final last night. Mark Andre Fleury. I mean, deserved a lot more than what he got out of his offense. It's a shame actually that the Blackhawks wasted an outing like that from Flower because he did everything and more in his power to keep the Blackhawks alive. But the offense, unfortunately, let him down once again. The Hawks have now just scored six goals during their four-game losing skid, and only four of those have come at five-on-five. The defensive mindset that this team has taken on, it's certainly led to improvements, and it's certainly also kept them in a lot more games, as has Marc-Andre Fleury's improved play simultaneously once Derek King took over. But when the offense can't score, you know, he can't win games. And the Blackhawks, sadly, know that feeling all too well here so far over the course of the season. 
All right, there are some first thoughts on the Blackhawks. 2-0 loss to the Colorado Avalanche last night. Coming up in just a moment, I'm going to share some other takeaways that I had from the game, including Nick Olchek jumping into the broadcast booth with Pat Foley in place of his dad, Eddie O. But first, I need to talk to you all about betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season long on more props, odds, and lines than ever before as the NFL is marching towards the conference championships. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action here in 2022. Head on over to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and you'll also receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just got to use our exclusive promo code LOCKEDON, that's one word in all caps, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, the NHL, boxing and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Sign up today and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just got to use our exclusive promo code LOCKEDON, that's one word in all caps, to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, where the game begins. All right, we're back here on Lockdown Blackhawks, getting into segment two now on the show today. There were also a couple of other quick away, quick takeaways that I definitely wanted to be sure to mention here as well. Uh, and one player who I definitely had to talk about for at least a few minutes is forward Sam Lafferty, who for the second straight game last night was up on the Hawks' second line with Alex DeBrinkett and Jonathan Taze. Top six, Sam Lafferty. Top six, Sam. I might double him that. Um, and on the show yesterday, I, I did say I I thought Dominic Kubalik would be a, a much better fit there on that second line instead of Lafferty. I mean, let's face facts here. Kubalik definitely has a better offensive skill set than Lafferty does. Um, and while, yes, that still may be true that Kubalik would be a better fit there, also because when he was bumped down to the third line last night with Kershev and Doc, they they didn't do anything at all. They looked horrible. Uh, I don't even know if they had a shot on goal in that game. They spent most of the time in their own zone. Um, but Lafferty, I got to say, he he's starting to win over some Blackhawks fans here with uh, his physicality and his speed. And uh, last night, in my opinion, he he was definitely one of their better players. Like, if the Hawks could actually have found a way to beat Pavel Francouz, like Lafferty could have had two primary apples last night. He was really good. He had one play while the Hawks were short, shorthanded along the boards, down low behind uh, Colorado's net. He wins a battle and then kicks it out front to, uh, I forget who it was, but he created a great scoring chance there. And throughout the rest of the game, he made some, he won some battles along the boards and then made some great passes to find his open teammates. So I was really impressed with Sam Lafferty and um, his overall aggressiveness, just, you know, on the forecheck, we, we need a little bit more of that. I think the Blackhawks, when they lose the puck, it's, they don't get it right back enough. Like they, their forecheck hasn't been good enough. I don't think. And Lafferty's one of those guys who he kind of has the right package to be good on the forecheck. He's got size. He's got speed. He's physical. Seems like he's got good instincts there. Um, just, I, I feel like that's 
kind of the player the Blackhawks just need more of. Obviously, you know, they they need guys like that who, who have some more skill than Lafferty, possesses no knock on Lafferty. Um, but for the time being, you know, the Blackhawks don't don't have very many options. And Lafferty has been making the most of his chance here so far inside the top six. I've, I've really liked what I've seen from top six Sam. And, you know, considering also we gave up Alex frickin' Nylander for him, you know, a guy who more than likely was never going to get back to the NHL level while here in Chicago. Um, seems like a, a pretty smart swap so far by Kyle Davidson. We'll see, you know, what's going to happen long-term for Lafferty. I know he is a restrict or an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen with his long-term future. And that, certainly I'm not sure about his long-term future inside the top six. That's also highly doubtful. But for right now, Lafferty, he's been doing his part. And if he keeps playing like this, I really believe the, the final product is going to come. Or if hopefully the Blackhawks can start scoring some more goals <clears throat> than they have here through the first half of the season. But uh, overall, good stuff from Sam Lafferty last night, I thought, out in Denver. I also definitely wanted to talk about the fourth line as a whole because Henrik Borgstrom, Ryan Carpenter, Mackenzie Entwistle, by far the Hawks' most effective trio in their limited ice time. I know it, it wasn't a ton, but each and every shift that they got, it felt like they were dominating in the avalanche zone. And that's the second game in a row now here where this fourth line all of a sudden has kind of come out of nowhere. Fourth line worldwide, baby. Of course, on Saturday, they chipped in for two goals from Henrik Borgstrom. Followed that up last night with a really good effort. Um, I believe uh, Entwistle was on the ice for nine shot attempts, four to one against, four high danger chances. Same with Borgstrom. Like, they were really good. So, I wouldn't, never would have guessed. You know, Henrik Borgstrom, he's getting chances with Jonathan Taze. He's getting chances with Patrick Kane, Alex Dabrinkit. And here he is finally producing with Ryan Carpenter and Mackenzie Antwistle. It's funny how that works out. Um, but that would definitely be a huge boost for this Blackhawks offense if they were able to keep this up because overall, the bottom six certainly has not helped out enough offensively throughout the year so far. I also, I got to talk for a moment about Nick Olchek jumping in the Blackhawks broadcast booth with the great Pat Foley last night in place of his dad, Eddie O. Uh, apparently, <clears throat> on Saturday, I was actually not watching the Blackhawks game with the volume on. There was uh, the Packers, of course, losing to the San Francisco 49ers, the highlight of my weekend, um, with the Blackhawks losing back-to-back games to Minnesota, of course. But I got a good smile out of the Packers losing, so counts for something. Um, but Nick Nick Olchek jumping into the broadcast booth for his dad last night. Eddie O was not feeling well heading into that third period against uh, on Saturday against the Minnesota Wild, and actually went and saw the Wild's doctor, and I think spent some time in the hospital. It doesn't sound like it's been anything too serious. Uh, sounds like Eddie's going to be okay, fortunately, but kind of a scary situation there, knowing his health and everything. Um, and what he went through with cancer and his recovery. So it's always scary to hear Eddie O going through something like that. But thoughts out to Eddie. You know, hopefully he's feeling a whole lot better and be able to get back in the booth. But while he's been out, Nick Olchek, I've thought, has done an incredible job. And it's kind of funny how similar he sounds to his dad. Like, you can definitely 
tell that he's just been studying his dad doing games since he was a little kid. Um, he's fit the part really well, and honestly, he might be my favorite. And it's been some pretty good company, I've thought. Uh, Chris Vosters, I've thought, has done a really good job. I've talked about him a couple of times on the show. Uh, there was also Steven Nelson, who I thought fit in incredibly well for never really mingling with Blackhawks people, at least to my knowledge. He immediately came in and had a good time, built a good relationship with Colby Cohen, and his voice was really good too. I thought Jason Ross in the one game that he got sounded tremendous. Jason is an awesome guy that I uh, was fortunate enough to meet at one of the Blackhawks practices recently. Um, I thought he sounded really good. Um, John Weidman obviously is always going to be at that top level. I don't know if they want to pry him out of the radio booth because he's just so darn good there. Um, but it's been, you know, good company I've thought here for the Blackhawks trying to find that long-term replacement for Pat Foley, which that's a conversation that could take up a whole episode in itself. So I'm not going to get into it, but Nick Olchek, I thought sounded tremendous. His hockey knowledge was really good. Um, he fit in nicely. He knew when to say the right things. His breakdowns were good. He had a good interview. Like he really fit the part I thought. And as I said, I think he might be my favorite. I don't know. We're going to see what happens. I know he's also done some radio stuff as well. Um, but Nick Olchek all of a sudden stepping onto the scene here and could be that next man into the Blackhawks broadcast booth. Definitely excited to hear more out of Nicky O coming forward, uh, going forward, I should say, for the Chicago Blackhawks in the broadcast booth. All right, that takes care of some other thoughts that I had from last night's game in Colorado. Coming up in just a moment, I'll go over part four of my Blackhawks midseason prospect rankings. Welcome back to Lockdown Blackhawks. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment three now on the show this afternoon. It's time to get into part four of my Chicago Blackhawks midseason prospect rankings. I skipped this segment on the show yesterday due to Mailbag Monday and also having to recap two games from over the weekend. But we're back at it on the show here today, getting into numbers five and six. As always, if you want to hear more on the players that have already been revealed over the last couple of episodes, then uh, definitely go and check out the third and final segment on, I believe that would be last Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday's episodes. That's where I went over, yeah, that would be those three episodes because that's when I went over my honorable mentions for this list as well as numbers 10 through 7. I'll obviously still read off the names of the players just as a quick refresher to everyone. Um, But if you want to hear more about each of them, if you want to hear me go a little bit more in depth, then definitely go back real quick and check out those couple of episodes from late last week. But just as a reminder, again, Alex Vlasic was the one that started things off at number 10. Then Jakob Galvis hopped in at number 9. Alec Regula, another defenseman, came in at number 8. 2021 second round pick Colton Dock came in at number seven. And now, folks, coming in at number six on my Blackhawks midseason prospect rankings is none other than 2020 third round pick, another defenseman in Wyatt Kaiser, who's currently a sophomore with University of with the University of Minnesota Duluth. 
And I remember when the Hawks first selected Kaiser, uh, I remember <clears throat> a couple of different scouting sources have said that he was the Blackhawks' best, best pick after taking Lucas Reichel in the first round. He was their best pick of day two. And after seeing what Kaiser's been able to do here so far in his first season and a half with Minnesota Duluth, I can definitely see why, because he immediately stepped onto the scene as a freshman there. Uh, By the way, one of the top programs in the entire country, a really competitive team. And as a freshman, 18 years old, a July birthday, a young kid, he was already a staple of their defense. And I remember in, in one of their Frozen Four games, in one of their tournament games, uh, Kaiser played like 60 minutes in this wild triple overtime game or something like that. Um, so clearly he's shown he's already a trusted defender for them. One year out of high school, you know, he was playing a huge role. And he also became a key man on the power play for UMD. He became the point man for the Bulldogs. And most of Kaiser's 10 assists that he recorded as a freshman came via the power play. So he's shown. He's smart on both ends of the ice. He's a good defender. That's kind of his natural game, but he's also clearly got some good vision with the puck on his stick as well. Um, Based on kind of what I've read, I don't know if Kaiser has the natural skill set offensively to be a power play man at the NHL level, but he's also still only 19 years old. So we still have a lot to learn from this young man. He's still got a lot to develop. Um, But what I've seen and read... This, you know, this kid's this kid's fearless. Despite not having great size, you know, Kaiser, he's a gamer, a scrapper, loves to compete, six foot, 175 pounds, but he thinks the game very well. He's really smart in his own zone. That again, that's probably his bread and butter. He's not an offensive defenseman. If you had to pick one, he's not really either naturally. He can kind of do it all, which I'll get into in just a second. Um but the defensive end is definitely what he focuses on. He takes pride on being a good defender. That's where he's more naturally in his element. He keeps a tight gap, good in transition, uh, tenacious on the puck, and he's also a strong skater that can kind of help lead to good flow in transition from his team. He can skate the puck out of his end confidently. He can pass it. He makes a good first pass. Uh, he's smart with the puck on his stick, so... Um, he has, you know, all the tools that you want to hear from a sound defender and, you know, he's hopefully only going to get better in those areas as he gets older and as he gains experience, he's still only, uh, midway through his sophomore season. Um, and also, you know, considering that he's shown he can provide offensively in particular while his team's on the power play, um, someone who kind Kaiser kind of reminds me of is like a Jakob Galvis kind of. A guy who can offer you a little bit of everything and is good in transition. He makes smart plays, good reads. He can skate it. He can pass it. He gives you a lot of options. And I think, you know, Kaiser's kind of in that similar boat. And because of that, because of having such a robust skill set at just 19, I really think he's got a bright future ahead of him. He's only a sophomore at UMD. Uh, You definitely got to think he's going to play at least one more season there. It could even be two. Um, But just with the amount of tools that he already has in his arsenal, what he presents at such a young age. I'm really excited to see Kaiser grow over these next few years, and uh, he could become an intriguing defender for the Chicago Blackhawks sometime down the road. Now, coming in at number five, I have 2020 second round pick, 
goaltender Drew Camesso, who is also a sophomore in college currently attending Boston University, along with defenseman Alex Vlasic, who came in at number 10 on my list to kick things off, of course. Um, But the question, you know, that I'm sure many people have on their minds right now listening to this, hearing Drew Camesso's name is, will Drew Camesso be the future in net for the Chicago Blackhawks? And based on everything I've seen from this kid, the amount of experience that he's already got, he's representing himself at the Olympic level coming up in the future. He's a regular for Team USA. Poor kid had his last World Juniors canceled a couple of months ago. Um, but everything I've seen, read, heard on Kaiser or on Kaiser on Comesso, I'm kind of inclined to say that he will be the future in net for the Chicago Blackhawks. Of course, the goaltender position is so hard to project. He's only 19, but based on what we've seen from Comesso in his first two years of college. He's made some major leaps in his game during these these couple of years, and uh, something I really think is important is all the incredible opportunities he's getting at such a young age, right? He's already the starting goaltender at one of the most prestigious college hockey programs in the country. I know they're struggling this year, but BU is BU, baby, and Comesso's been a big-time part of that team as a freshman and as a sophomore, and being part of Team USA, getting those experiences. I think, you know, he's only going to get better and better and better. And everything I read tells me the same things, you know. You you see at such a young age, he's already a technically sound goaltender. He's got a good calmness to him is what all the scouts are saying. Uh, He's smooth post to post. He can control his rebounds. Uh, and he's also got some good size to him. Comesso's six foot two. That's not Andre Vasilevsky ideal size for today's NHL. Um, but six foot two, I mean, that's not sharp by any means, let me tell you, as someone who's five foot nothing. Um, but looking at Comesso's numbers, uh, one thing that stands out, I know he's got a 10, 8, and 3 record, but he's still got a 914 save percentage on the season and a 2.43 goals against average. In an article I read by Ben Pope recently, since Thanksgiving, Comesso's 5-0-1 with a 9.50 save percentage. He's picked it up here as of late, and overall on the year, even though BU has been struggling, he's still averaging well under three goals a game. I mean, the team in front of him, it's been a, a rocky year for Boston University, but Comesso, he's still done his job in net most nights, and something I think, again, I talked about this earlier, I really is going to be important. He's getting these opportunities with Team USA. Unfortunately, he didn't get the experience he wanted to in his final World Juniors tournament. But to make up for it, he's going to be part of Team USA at the Beijing Winter Olympics in February. I don't know if he's going to get a ton of playing time, but being around that level of hockey and practicing with those guys, that's going to be a great experience for Comesso, undoubtedly. Um, So, you know, just all these opportunities, I really believe, are big learning moments for a goalie, a sponge, someone who's trying to gain as much knowledge and, you know, learn how to be a goaltender at the next level. Camesso's getting all those opportunities already at just 19 years old. So I think that's going to be really key for him going forward with his uh, mindset as a goaltender going forward in his progression and with the skill, you know, that he already possesses. He's shown he's already pretty darn good. Um, Like 
Wyatt Kaiser earlier coming in at number six. Uh, I think Drew Comesso these next couple of years are probably going to tell us a lot more about his NHL future. He's still so young. And again, goaltender is the hardest position to project. But I really do like the start he's gotten off to here while still being a teenager, and that's why I got him at number five on my Blackhawks midseason prospect rankings. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Tuesday, January 25th's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown Bets podcast, which is hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and even Lee Sterling's lock of the day by just simply following the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check it out right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can go and catch me out on Twitter at my personal account at JackBushman2, or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the Blackhawks or the show, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also go and hit me on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.